don't let perfection get in the way of good. And I think that was probably the best advice I've ever gotten in my career. You know, get a good product, get something good to market. Don't hold something back. You can always optimize. You can always tweak it down the line, but get something good to market and test and learn. Again, a key piece of that, right, is the testing. And again, ties back to number one, making sure that you're really, you know, honing in on what those goals are and and optimizing along the way. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to and watching the one-to-one consumer marketing podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Amanda Long, who is director of retail marketing at Francesca's, a specialty retailer of clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Amanda, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Before we get started, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself, uh, your background, and how you ended up at your current role at Francesca's? Yeah, absolutely. I may take it back a little bit too far, so feel free to tell me to speed it up if I need to. But I think I really probably kind of fell in love with the marketing space, probably a little earlier than most. I used to travel with my grandmother, who was a businesswoman to her core, and she was a wholesale rep. This is retirement period for her, but she was a wholesale rep for a company and traveled to different markets. And so I actually, she brought me along. She was like, hey, you know, you can come and help me. But I fell in love with the aspect of, you know, setting up at these these wholesale events and bringing along materials to really market and prospect and bring new customers, you know, in and driving the business that she was a rep for. I actually ended up becoming a rep myself, but I want to say this was all probably around like late middle school, early high school time frame. So once I could officially, you know, become a rep myself and, you know, kind of drive my own business, I did. So here I am in high school, you know, sending out emails, sending out direct mail to customers, you know, trying to get them to make a second purchase, a third purchase, or, you know, just restock if they've been an ongoing customer. So yeah, I mean, looking back, it, you know, probably wasn't the most efficient business model on my my part, which I learned as I got, you know, further into kind of my my education. So I wanted to learn more about how to run a profitable business. That's what I ended up going to school for. Went to University of North Texas for anybody else out there that's listening. And it was probably about my junior year in college where I actually ended up getting hired at an agency. It was a um, international beauty retailer. And I actually ended up managing a lot of their POS and cap window like print materials and eventually found myself <laughs> actually running their direct mail program. So it was kind of at that point where I got to see, you know, firsthand really what I should have been doing as a as a as a marketer and got to oversee kind of, you know, four different segments that they were going after at the time. So really prospecting rewards, re-engagement, and then a circular that they kind of sent to their professional side of the business that really just kind of showed everything that they, you know, housed and, and could potentially sell. During my time there, I actually got a taste of a digital campaign that came through. And I was like, oh, what, you know, what's this? I want to learn more about this space. And ultimately I ended up, you know, didn't get the chance at the agency I was at, but made the career move and the decision to take a step back and moved over to an arts and crafts retailer where I was really doing a lot of project management. I was getting the opportunity to, you know, sit down with channel owners, whether that be in the email space, whether that be in, you know, paid advertising, whether it was, you know, just the e-commerce side of the business, right? Like, what are they placing on the homepage? Why are they placing it? And, you know, got to learn the lingo. And I ultimately ended up moving around within that company and ended up finding out that really the CRM space is where I wanted to be. So I, you know, I mentored, I shadowed, I did whatever I had to 
begs people to give me any tidbit, any information that that I, you know, could potentially have ever asked for. And I was really lucky. I had a quite a few good mentors within that company and ended up landing in the CRM space. And I think really kind of the the reason that I landed there, I found out that I I loved it was because it was a conversation. You were, you know, listening to the customer, you know, looking at the data um, while, you know, you weren't sitting down like across the table from every customer. You're able to to dig in and really segment out customers and understand, you know, who were the loyal customers? What drove them? If customers were disengaging, you know, why? And I just, I love the idea of being able to have like a hand in that and an impact. Mm-hmm. So I stuck with that. And eventually we got a really nice foundation in place and ultimately started to move into the personalization and really scaling personalization you know, placing, I guess, or making for all of our data was in our CDP on customers and hooking that up to the different tools that we were leveraging. We got to the point though, where we were basically able to send out, you know, one email template. And Ben, if you opened it, it was going to look very different from what I was opening and ultimately kind of grew that outside of even own channels, but also into the paid space as we were targeting customers or retargeting customers. So yeah, I mean, that was that was a great experience. I got to the point where I was ready to kind of grow in my career and Francesca's actually reached out and it's now almost been a year that I've been at Francesca's. At the end of this month, it'll be a year exactly. Francesca's, for those who don't know, is a uh, fashion boutique retailer that's best known for um, our collection of clothing, accessories, and jewelry. And some also may not know, we actually, probably right before the time I joined, we launched a program uh, or a sister brand called Frankie, which is actually targeting younger girls. So 17 to 14, whereas kind of the Fran brand is more of that like 18 to 35 bucket. Mm-hmm. So it's been a great company, a great experience so far. And, you know, I think there's a, a lot of opportunity here, which is one of the the reasons I actually decided to join. And yeah, I think it's just super exciting to see kind of the the growth of the opportunity that the company has. Yeah. Thank you so much for the overview, I think. It, we're going to get into topics around CRM in particular and, you know, retail marketing, how you see the space and how it's evolved during your career. I love the background story, uh, particularly with your your grandmother. Not everybody has that from the very beginning. You know, I think a lot of marketers fall into marketing. Uh, they're creative. They, you know, some go to school for marketing, some do other things, and then they start marketing either on the agency side or the brand side. But it is nice to see that you really have that personal story that's driven your interest. And I'm sure there were a lot of good times with your grandmother on those trips together as well that that helps you bond together, you know? Oh, yeah. Some definitely special memories there. <laughs> I, I believe it. You know, in terms of you mentioned starting, you were doing direct mail, you, you know, got into CRM, you mentored with a bunch of people, you really wanted to build your kind of competency there. Yeah. I'm sure you've also seen, you know, the state of consumer marketing change a lot. Can you speak to that a little bit? How do you see consumer marketing today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting kind of the journey, right? Like coming in where data, purchasing data, like it was, you know, you didn't think twice about it, right? Like it was there for the taking. I think, you know, as we've, especially in the last few years, right? Like run into things like iOS and and privacy law changes, right? I think it's shifted a little bit the view of consumer marketing. Let me take a step back to and say, like, when it first rolled out, I think I had it. Oh, my gosh, what? Like, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be able to, you know, easily identify customers, know who's opening my emails, things of that nature. But I think as you know, we kind of got more information on it. It wasn't quite as scary. And I, I do still think, you know, some have probably a harsher outlook 
on consumer marketing than probably should. But really, I think it just, it challenged us as marketers to maybe do a double click where we hadn't been, you know, doing those deep dives before. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say I feel like overall consumer marketing is still really kind of what it, it was years ago. There's just new rules in place, right? And we're having to find out how to navigate through those. I will tell you, I think obviously as a consumer myself, and I know you're one too, but I think it's the right move to do and and have, you know, these rules and laws in place. I think it's just another, and again, kind of what I talked about before when I was, you know, giving an intro, I think it's another data point, right? Like it's another conversational piece that you're getting to have with the customer and really kind of figure out how to intertwine that in the the journey that you're taking them on. Yeah, I agree. I think it it doesn't fundamentally change marketing, obviously right. privacy is a concern, but like the measurement piece can be a concern, like you said, with not being able to track open rates for emails. But at the end of the day, good marketing is good marketing. And it's about connecting with people at the right moment in their journey. And you can do that without that data. Uh, it's still, it obviously helps to have it. And there are new ways to engage people to build those relationships on new channels. But it's like you said, it's also, it evolves, it's in flux. And so it, it you sound also optimistic about it, which is great. Yeah. I think we need to stay optimistic as marketers. Not everything is doom and gloom, even when we're losing yeah. access to, yeah. to the data. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, you know, right, like even still, while, you know, maybe I don't know specific open rates for Apple, I think kind of that double click I was talking about too, right, where, you know, you break out operating systems, you go back and look at the customers that aren't on, you know, iOS, what are their open rates? Are they comparable to where they were, you know, this time last year? Like comparable to like a 30-day window, I think there's still measurements that you can do and definitely still get a glean of, you know, was your campaign successful? So yeah, and probably even getting deeper into the the funnel, seeing like, are you still seeing purchases coming like from those segments, from those those operating systems as well? Yeah. We'll give you a sense of that. I mean, that we've touched a little bit at the high level of on consumer marketing. When you think yeah. about retention and lifecycle marketing, like generally, how do you think about it at Francesca's? So that's kind of my sweet spot. I feel like that's probably the, I'm much stronger at that. I actually have partners here at Francesca that kind of see the the higher funnel um, side of things, really driving those prospects in. And then my team and I are, are responsible for making sure that we are, you know, capturing as much, you know, zero and, and first party data as possible. But I would say, I mean, I think in terms of retargeting, whether it's in the owned or the paid space, it's still doable, even with some of these impacts that that have happened. I definitely 100% would say retention marketing is a must-have. I think if you're not doing that today, that is a, a huge miss, huge opportunity. Um, you're leaving money on the table, quite frankly. You know, you have to make sure you're staying top of mind with your customer and, you know, doing simple things like sending a post-purchase trigger or retargeting customer after their first purchase are key things that have to be done. I would also say, you know, even looking, you know, further out, making sure that you know, whatever your business's purchase kind of time window is, making sure that you've got things like re-engagement triggers in place. And then, you know, even further out, winbacks, right? Like making sure you're doing all of those kind of, again, like key principle marketing things to ensure that you're keeping your customer, you know, in the funnel. Yeah. So you touched on zero and first party data. Can you yeah. talk to that a little bit? How are you capturing that data and how do you use it? Yeah, absolutely. So we are, as my, you know, my partners that I'm working side by side with every single day as they're, you know, pushing prospects to the site, we have pop-ups in place to capture customer email and phone number for SMS. 
I would say that is the primary way that we're seeing a lot of customers added to the file from like a digital side of things. And then in store, we're also prompting customers to provide us with an email and phone number to sign up for our loyalty program that we have running. And again, I, you know, I think those are key things that you want to make sure your business is doing to have some kind of identifier on your customer as they, they are coming in and, you know, making purchases or even just coming back to browse the site so that you're continuing to just really build a profile on those customers. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about that profile? So you have the identifier to identify a unique customer. How are you building up their profile? Is it transactional data? Are there other ways that you engage them to understand who they are? Can you walk us through some examples? Yeah, absolutely. It's a mix of both. Um, To answer your question, you know, short form answer your question, but but long form, yes. I mean, looking, I think having a mix of both historical uh, transactional data as well as looking at behavior of what is happening on the site. You know, what is that last thing that the customer looked at? Maybe, you know, historically, again, just an example here, but maybe historically, you know, customer A has only purchased dresses and nothing but dresses. But yesterday she came to the site and she started browsing tops or she started browsing shoes. Then the next communication to her probably, you know, shouldn't lead with dresses. It should lead with what that last action was. What was the last thing that she was looking at? And I, I think that is, a again, a key piece of just that that conversation and making sure that you're listening to the data points and really understanding what the customer is interested in at any given point of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it sounds like, you know, you very clearly believe that retention is kind of table stakes for any e-commerce business. I would totally agree with you. Obviously, it's one of the most efficient places to be doing marketing uh, and to get more from your existing customers. Have you seen that shift at Francesca's, I know you said you've been there a year, but like, have you seen more attention being paid to marketing and retention in particular? How, what does that look like within the company strategy? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, for me coming in, that was one of the things that I I honed in on. And I can, you know, proudly say that from my time joining to just, you know, kind of rounding out the end of our, our fiscal year, that we were able to see an improvement in retention compared to 2021. So I think, yes, it, it absolutely is an area of passion and focus for me. And and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, putting some of those just key um, foundation retargeting messages in place have really moved the needle for our business and ensuring that that we're keeping those customers that we've brought into our main audience file. Mm-hmm. And what are you looking at when you talk about moving the needle? What are the KPIs that you're measuring to really understand if that needle is moving? Yeah, I think it's coming back, right? Like, are they, are they coming back and making another transaction? We tend to look at a 12-month window to make sure that the customer's active, but are they coming back and are they making another purchase or are you seeing them fall off the file? So yeah, no, we have seen positive results from it. And I would say, you know, it's only going to continue to grow in terms of the focus that we're giving retention marketing. Yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, I think it's always nice when you see results from your efforts. Uh, people have yeah. different ways of measuring it. I think repeat purchase rate and kind of retention is a, is a key one there. Obviously, there's a lot of challenges that come into like the ops of actually doing retention marketing. Can you talk me through the challenges that you're seeing right now in retention and loyalty? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I feel like the biggest thing that I kind of ran into or that I honed in on as I was coming in was making sure that we were using all of our channels as efficiently as possible, that all of the channels were talking to each other, right? So that you don't have a pay channel that's potentially going after a customer that's on your email file. Then you can use those dollars elsewhere, right? Like more efficiently in your pay channel and kind of let the email have its window of time to try to reactivate or drive that customer back in. Then, you know, after a certain window, whatever time you've designated that in, if you don't see the needle moved at that point, then I I think maybe you start to bring in 
kind of the reinforcements through paid. But I, I would say I feel like that's probably been our, our biggest battle is just ensuring that we're being as efficiently as possible. Um, that was a huge goal coming in during my time last year. So, And it was that challenge, like really almost connecting all the dots to understand like where things are happening and whether it's driving a purchase here and kind of orchestrating that whole journey or what part of that was particularly challenging? Yeah, I would say orchestrating it, right? I would say just making sure that like, you know, you're feeding the right data to your paid partner so that they're suppressing the correct audience during the given window of time. And then, mm-hmm. you know, once that given window is, of time is up, ensuring that they're turning on the switch to then kind of go after those customers. I think it was just kind of, you know, laying the foundation to set us up with a nice base so that we can continue to build on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned channels a bit before. You mentioned also kind of, not being able to track open rates in emails, obviously that's challenging, but what channels are you seeing work best right now and which ones are you seeing kind of declining performance on? So I would say working best, interestingly enough, I would say our our direct, which is is highly correlated with paid efforts. But our direct traffic coming to the site is a big one for us. I would say though, that's also heavily tied to some of even the affiliate marketing that we've done. Affiliate marketing has been a a big win for us in the paid space. You know, having those partners kind of place our ads where it makes sense and driving qualified traffic to our site. So I would say in in kind of the paid space, that's been a good do for us. I would say on the own side of the house, it's definitely email SMS, which is again, kind of more where my area of focus is at. And then, yeah, I, I think for some of the channels that we potentially you know, haven't necessarily seen be as strong for us, I wouldn't say they're not working. I think it's just a cost of doing business um, would be kind of like paid social. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So obviously email, SMS, closer to like, you know, further down the funnel, like they're on your list, you can engage them more from like a traditional retention, marketing and loyalty perspective. But you're saying paid social in general is is a struggle right now? Again, I don't know that I'd say it's a struggle. I just don't think it's as maybe as profitable as some of the other things that we're seeing. But again, like I said, I I also think it's an awareness play trying to stay Mm -hmm. top of mind for the customer. So, yeah, I mean, much higher funnel tactic, whereas, you know, some of the other ones I've mentioned, you know, if a customer is coming direct to the site, they probably have a greater intent to make a purchase. And, you know, obviously email, SMS, probably a little more engaged customer anyway, further down Mm -hmm. Funnel. So yeah, I mean, I would say, again, I don't know necessarily not working just in terms of like return on investment, cost of doing business. I think you have to sometimes there's going to be one channel, right, that has to do it. I think that it does a nice job of really helping build the brand awareness and just staying top of mind. But yeah, does that help answer the question? It does. Yeah, yeah it does. I think it gives a sense also of like the incrementality of each channel and like how how yeah. far away from the purchase journey it is, like how you you think about that, you know, thinking about maybe the broader customer journey. What are you doing to connect one-to-one with your current and potential customers, right? I think everyone in the space right now is talking about like personalization. That's difficult, you know, loyalty. There's a lot of personalization that goes into creating like a loyal relationship between a customer and a brand. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'll tell you, this is a roadmap for us too, right? I've been at Francesca's now a year, got to build the foundation and then you start to grow from there. But I would say, you know, some of the low-hanging fruit, and I I know I've already mentioned this once before, but I think, you know, I walked into Francesca's where they already had a loyalty program in place. Customers weren't necessarily getting anything, maybe an occasional coupon here or there. So one of my first goals was actually revamping that, coming in with the team that was here and that had had stood up, quite frankly, the the first round of it. 
But I, I think revamping that, having a reason for the customer to engage, to sign up, to you know provide some of their information to help us identify them. And then I would also say that increasing just kind of like recognition on the site as well, you know, doing simple things like passing encrypted params so that you know when a customer is clicking in your email who they are when they're hitting your site. You can even do that from your SMS channel as well. I think that only continues, again, just to help going back to what we were talking about before, build the profile on the customer so that you know who they are, what they were looking at, on top of kind of that transactional history that is heavily tied to the loyalty side of things. Yeah, very interesting. So do you use that data like once you've connected, okay, this browser session is coming from this identified customer? Is that feeding back into CRM and kind of affecting what you're putting back into the next email and that sort of thing? Yes. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, Yeah. So it's just it's helping, you know, add further information to what the customer is interested in, what what's relevant to them at that point in time. So, yeah, it feeds back in and then helps us make educated decisions on what they should see next. And I mean, that's even built into, you know, communications after first purchase or in their abandonments, things of that nature. So that we make sure we're kind of layering in the right the right logic there on what to to show the customer. I think another thing in terms of helping just personalize for our customer base is also like a, a mix of, I guess, the content, right? Like what you're putting in front of the customer. So a mix of like brand, product, and then language. How are you talking to your customer? Well, maybe it's not necessarily at a, a one-to-one level for us right now. Mm-hmm. I think honing in and understanding like who your segments are and how you can talk to each one of them. And I think a, a good example of that is there is a, a segment that we have that all they really care about is promotion. And if you don't talk to them in a promotional manner, you're going to see really low engagement in whatever communication you're putting in front of them. So I, I think that is also kind of a, another another layer of it. And yeah, I mean, I finally, I, I also think, you know, we've touched on this a little bit in terms of, you know, you asking the question of, are we feeding that back in to then kind of utilize it within CRM? I think ease of access to your data as well. We do have a CDP. I've had CDPs in, I think, pretty much all of my my past roles as well. So I think ease of just kind of housing that data all together in one place and having kind of a key central point where you can, you know, feed APIs or feed a, some form of a data feed to whatever tools, marketing tools that you're using to speak to your customers. I think that's also something, you know, if you can swing it, something that, that I would recommend definitely investing in. Yeah, I agree. I think if you don't have your a unified view of your customer, like you said, and then also a place to store all the data around them, it makes it definitely makes that personalization piece very, very difficult. Yeah, uh, I know that that's a major. You know, you can talk about all the orchestration and personalization challenges after that, but the getting that data in check is definitely a first step. That's very important. Thank you so much for the overview of kind of your current role at Francesca and how you're dealing with personalization. Looking forward a little bit, what is an an exciting consumer marketing piece of technology or like a trend or a behavior that you're excited about? I guess I go more the probably the trend route. I think I would say it's just focus on data where I know it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Like it's bad and good. But I mean, I would say definitely the focus there and then focused on probably more predictive modeling. I think that's super exciting. I've seen, haven't seen a lot of retailers kind of like picking up and really honing in on predictive modeling. I've only heard of 
you know, a handful. I think it's starting to become something that's more widely used, but I would, I want to say it's typically coming from vendors. It's something that vendors mm-hmm. are kind of like plugging in and encouraging brands to do, especially in the retail space. I think, you know, if you, you took a step back a few years ago, like unless you were at some just like huge conglomerate, it probably wasn't something that was really even, really even talked about. I know I even, I was able in my past role to do some dabbling and predictive modeling with some of my partners and I just, it blew my mind. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I could totally geek out, <laughs> geek out over this for, for hours. So I, I think that's probably, I would say something that I'm just really interested in and trying to kind of follow and, and stay on top of. Also something I'm trying to challenge the team here, right? And my partners here, as we're looking again at our roadmap and kind of ongoing of, you know, how do we start to layer in some of that predictability so that we know, you know, an example I guess, what customer needs what discount at what time to get them up and off the couch, you know, and into our store. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you need to give a discount to every customer? No, probably not. So I think that's just something that's kind of cutting edge and something I'm excited about. Yeah, I think that is a very, very exciting space. You're not the first person on the podcast to also mention it. I think <laughs> it's something that a lot of CRM marketers are excited about is this idea of, because CRM is inherently a complex thing with a lot of triggers, a lot of potential journeys, a lot of channels. You could do that on this idea of not using just predictive modeling to identify, okay, what offer, what person, but maybe what channel, what moment, like there's so many layers of that. Yeah. That I I think it's a very exciting space to be in. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. In terms of, you know, you have been in the space, what are kind of three pieces of advice you have for other marketers? What do you wish you knew at the start of your career that you know now, you know, what would you tell Amanda uh, when she's in high school, uh, fresh off the back of a bunch of trips with grandma? Uh, what would you tell young Amanda there? Yes, I can definitely answer those questions. That question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I would say, you know, know what your goals are. I think number one, know what your goals are, know what you're, how you're going to measure those goals. I think a lot of times us being in, in the retail space, I think we're moving a million miles an hour and it's just like, I got to get this done and get it into market and get it done now. And I think, you know, challenge yourself to really outline what the goals are, what your KPIs are going to be, and make sure that you're referencing those, you know, whether your campaign is something that's lasting three days or it's something that's lasting three months, just to make sure that you're you're taking and tying and really like going back to what you said you were trying to achieve. I think that would be number one. I think number two, and this is something actually a, a mentor told me, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, but I was told, you know, don't let perfection get in the way of good. I think that was probably the best advice I've ever gotten in my career. You know, get a good product, get something good to market. Don't hold something back. You can always optimize. You can always tweak it down the line, but get something good to market and test and learn. Again, a key piece of that, right, is the testing. And again, ties back to number one, making sure that you're really, you know, honing in on what those goals are and and optimizing along the way. Mm-hmm. And then I, I also would say, I think, you know, making sure that you are listening to your customer. I know it's kind of been like a theme throughout what I've shared, but leveraging, you know, data or social sentiment. Like we luckily, I'm I'm fortunate here at Francesca's, we have a tool where we're able to kind of pull together social sentiment, an aggregated level or just kind of high level and understand like what's going on. What are customers saying? What are the pain points? What are the good things? But I think making sure that you you know kind of where your customer's head is at and lean into that, right? Know where you need to tweak, what you need to optimize and where you're winning so that you can just continue to to lean into that. And then I do have a bonus. I know you said top three, but like, (laughs) I feel like, I feel like the other thing too. And again, I think, you know, as retail marketers, we're moving a million miles an hour, but I think also making sure that you're having fun. I think it is, 
you're not having fun, if you're not kind of, you know, taking a moment to step back, laugh at the maybe some of the painful moments, <laughs> I think that can sometimes come through in marketing. I think, you know, if if there's a mess up, bring a little bit of humanity into it. Like have mm-hmm. drop that moment to show customers that like your brand is a, a living, breathing thing and there are humans kind of behind the logo, right? I think that's a something else that I try to remind myself and also, you know, ask my team to also hold me accountable <laughs> if we're going through something. So I think those are probably the things I would say. Yeah, I like that. I, you know, the clear goals is is so key. Uh, shipping fast, you know, not being so precious about everything is another yeah. one that I've definitely learned to do that. And I'll skip straight to the bonus question because I love that you put a bonus round <laughs> in there. Um, I think that is so true, right? We have this idea as marketers that a brand should be this perfect thing, should be this entity that is separate from the people that build the brand, but people connect with people and it's yeah. very kind of, you build that connection, you build a relationship with people when they feel like there are other people on the other side of that brand as well. So I think that's a very powerful way to connect with people and also to build a team, like you said, right? To to build a good marketing team means yeah. people are having fun and being creative. Like it's not yes. just about the execution. Absolutely. And so that's such a key learning that I'm sure young Amanda, younger Amanda in, you know, in high school, starting on her marketing career would very much appreciate. So I hope we can bottle it up and send it back to, you know, looking even further forward, like five years from now, what do you, you know, you mentioned predictive modeling, but what does the the future of consumer marketing look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I like fully knew I'd probably be able to be a millionaire, but, um, (laughs) but I mean, I, I definitely think that we're going to see a lot more predictive modeling. I think there will be a lot more AI, hopefully AI helping may- maybe kind of lighten the load on some of the like manual things that we have to do around, you know, segmenting files or selecting audiences for, you know, key campaigns that are going out the door. I think we'll see a lot more of that. I don't necessarily think there's going to be much change in terms of businesses using, you know, zero and first party data. I think if anything, we'll continue to just kind of see that grow. But yeah, like I said, I, I definitely, at least, Fingers crossed, hopefully maybe a little bit more AI and a lot more predictive modeling to help us as marketers down the line. Yeah, I think that's a vision that a lot of, you know, retention marketers, CRI marketers would love is, you know, can we make our our jobs a little less painful and complex at times? Uh, and and Yeah, yeah. Take, take that focus elsewhere, right? And continue to, yeah. to grow. But yeah. yeah, yeah. And focus on the, the kind of creative elements, the more yeah. kind of fundamental logic that underpins the system, but not necessarily the execution of all of it day to day, which is time consuming. Amanda, thank you so much. That's all we have time for today, uh, but really, really enjoyed your insights from Francesca's and before that as well. Can, you know, if listeners want to follow your journey uh, and connect, give you feedback on the podcast, where should they go? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Amanda Long. Please, please open to any and all feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And I, I repeat that as well, because I love getting feedback on the podcast from people. So if you have feedback on this episode, anything else, uh, do send me a DM on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm always curious, always trying to improve. Marketing is a feedback process. So is the podcast. Um, so don't hesitate to reach out. And if you want to learn more about Spectrum and the work that we do in the conversational space, uh, go to spectrum.io or check out Spectrum on LinkedIn. Amanda, thanks so much for joining. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I really do appreciate the time. Yeah, me too. And to all our listeners, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. And I'll see you next week. 